How did you do your back then? I uh, <laughs> I was at the gym. Or maybe I shouldn't ask. No, you can ask. I was at the gym doing some uh, weights and I sneezed. No. Yeah, it was a heavy sneeze, heavy weight. Well, how, how much heavy was the weight? Meat. Um, I don't know. It was it was like deadlift of some kind. It was a PT session, so it was all, okay, all organised. Yeah, <laughs> and then I sneezed, and then I felt it, and yeah, it's been pretty bad. Mm. Have you got a wedding this weekend? No, thankfully. Cool. Um, yeah. So they always say I sent to Gemma about this. They always say that good things, things that are good for you, yeah, they're either expensive or they hurt. Yeah, well, this one's done both. <laughs> yeah. It's expensive and it's hurt. Yep, absolutely. You're going to have to go for one of those. Have you ever been for a, what are they, a, car, a chiropractor where they crack your bones and stuff? No, I haven't. That's I, what you I, need. I, I tend to. My, my first wife was one of them. So. <laughs> the Fuji cast. <laughs> Get Gemma to walk all over you. Oh, she does uh, usually, uh, didn't she? All right, hello, welcome to um, the FujiCast, episode number 11. Um, this week, thank you to our friends, first of all, at Simpler Straps for letting us give away a military-grade, rugged camera strap uh, to each to our favourite email question of the week, so we'll be giving away one each of those this week. Uh, remember that all competition answers and winners are on the website only, www.fujicast.co.uk. Your questions about anything Fujifilm or photography-related. You know, one of the things that I've really noticed over the last um, I think uh, the last couple of weeks in particular is we've been having a lot more people say this isn't just Fujicast uh, Fuji Fujifilm it is just Fujicast but yeah <laughs> it's, it's just Fujicast but but we've been answering a lot more well just discussing a lot more general photography themes which I think that's great yeah I think you know I, I mean of course I'm an ambassador for Fujifilm but that doesn't mean that I'm I can't talk about other things and you know I'm a, I'm a lover of photography in general so that makes makes a lot yeah. of sense so uh, yeah, it's good. It's good that people who are not necessarily feature film photographers are listening in. We'd like you to meet this week as well a photographer who is not a Fujifilm photographer. So there we go. Um, called Jim Mortram, um, who lives in Deerham, Norfolk. I interviewed him for a YouTube film quite some time back. He's a carer for his mother and a human being with a camera, telling stories about the people of his town. I think it's about two and a half, is it two and a half, three mile radius? Of where he lives, I think it's something like that. Yeah, it's 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 a very small area. Yeah. Well, the BJP have, have just featured him, and um, I thought uh, we'd play back um, a bit of that interview mm. uh, and do that. Oh, well, do you know what? While I remember as well, I was I had this thought that uh, there are so many people that that listen to this uh, podcast that have their their own interesting backstories, mm-hmm. and um, it would be fun actually to hear because we we did have. Um, a message from somebody saying, why don't you talk to macro photographers and uh, sports photographers? And um, and th- there may well be some, some of you out there that have fascinating backstories, maybe something you've done photographically, maybe maybe some expedition you've been on, which would be, I think, would be really interesting. Mm, yeah, so, absolutely. So, yeah, please contact us. Yeah. Um, shall we launch in with the questions? There are so many questions. Thank you for these. Kev, you go first. Okay, so first question is from Joseph Abad. Abad? Abad? Hmm. Abad. Abad. Hi, Neil and Kevin. I love shooting with spot metering, but have also uh, found great use with other photometry settings. Which do you use, and under what circumstances do you change things up? So for me, pretty much I use spot metering almost all the time. 
Mm. Um, I guess if the light is uh, is very flat, let's just say I'm in a wedding reception room and it's inside and there's no windows and it's just lights on or something like that, then I may not necessarily use spot metering. I might you know dial things in manually or whatever. Um, but spot metering for me mostly. And the key thing for the metering stuff is that all that the camera does when it's taking a meter reading is giving you three exposure values. It's giving you ISO, shutter speed, and aperture. And if you're allowing it to use those, uh, to give you those. And you can dial those in manually. As soon as you're in manual uh, manual mode, then metering makes no difference whatsoever. Yeah. It's just redundant. So, yeah, spot metering for me most of the time. Um, why, why don't you use evaluative and, and ride exposure compensation? Uh, I just find it much easier to back button focus, um, tweak my composition slightly, meter off something a little bit easier, um, and just shoot that way. It's just the way I've done it all the time. Um, this, you, this morning we were talking about this, weren't we? We were, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah I was giving you a little lesson on yeah, how to use a camera. Do you know, I've, <laughs> <laughs> I've used um, a very antiquated system of, uh, well, I, I just center point, focus, refocus press refocus mm-hmm. it's worked so well for me for 15 16 17 years you know but but, th- but you you really were astonished uh yeah it's not so much astonished because i was that's how i used to work as well when i was shooting with dslrs but w- you know what changes is the having the optical viewfinder mm. being a oh, sorry electronic viewfinder being able to see your exposure in real time mm. Uh, you know, really, of course, you can do spot metering on DSLRs and, you know, X100 in the optical viewfinder mode and everything. But being able to visualize it and see what you're going to get makes you see the light much easier. Mm. Uh, and I think I've mentioned this before. I, you know, I shoot everything in black and white as well, even if I'm shooting raw, because I can see everything, the light, so much easier. It makes a massive difference. Um, and spot metering is not for everybody, of course, but, you know, you need to have the camera. Um, needs to be in one, at least one of the auto modes. So auto ISO, auto aperture, auto shutter speed, um, or all three. That's the equivalent of P mode. And then you're letting the camera look after the exposure completely. Um, and, you know, the metering uh, decision that you use then is, or the metering system that you use then is is up to you entirely. But it's only ultimately giving you an exposure value. That's it. But you're, you're a back button focus man all the time. Back button focus all the time. Constantly. Never changes. <laughs> Never changes. Bill Hartley, having found an hour to myself to listen to episode 10 this week, I have a question. I love the idea of Kevin's walking around with a juice in one hand and camera in the other. Uh, this is so relaxed and hence doesn't announce your arrival into the scene. But do you choose clothes for specifically um, the, the nature of the weddings that you're shooting? I'm not talking about fancy dress approach. <laughs> yeah, well, we go, go dressed as a lemon. No, I went, went as a crocodile. <laughs> no. Yeah, I did. No. Yes. It was a fancy dress wedding. They said you've got to come in fancy you've dress. You've seriously photographed a fancy dress wedding? Fancy the, I, you I, are I kidding. Fancy the wedding. I photographed a wedding dressed as a crocodile. How did I not know this? Yeah, it was a long time ago. It was like in year one or something. And but that's it, an amazing story. <laughs> and you went as a croc? Yeah. I went as a crocodile. <laughs> yeah. How did you photograph dressed as a crocodile? I just snapped away. No. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> No, but seriously, I went as a crocodile. Yeah, really. Yeah, yeah not yeah. just for that joke. Yeah, no, not just for that joke. And um, but yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I, you know, well, it says thinking of the Indian and Chinese weddings um, referred to in the podcast, but the likes of formal, smart, casual, informal that that might aid being part of the wedding thing generally. I assume that your clothing allows you to look the part and respect the event, and hence you invest in work clothes do do wedding photographers suffer from? And we're talking about gas today. I, I forgot to mention it in a in a. 
in, in the in the preamble there, but we're talking about gar- but he's calling it garment acquisition syndrome. <laughs> go on then. Uh, yeah, I mean, I I typically go dressed like a guest. I mean, I, well, I, I pretty much go the same each week. I wear very dark trousers, mm. um, a white shirt. It's always a white shirt. Uh, isn't it? Yeah, usually a white shirt. And then I have a jacket. I have several jackets. Um, I don't wear a waistcoat or anything like that. Um, and the jackets, if the weather's really hot, like on Saturday's wedding was ridiculously hot, mm. um, Easter Saturday. And I I didn't even take the jacket out of the car, just just went with a white shirt. Um, but if I'm, you know, if they have made a point of telling me in advance that it's a black tie affair or something like that, then I will, you know, do, you I'll go, do that. You do yeah. go with full yeah. black tie. Only if they tell me, though. If they yeah. don't tell me, then I'll go as, still dress as, as I, a croc, as yeah. a crocodile. Yeah, <laughs> snap away. <laughs> yeah. Uh, d- d- How about you? Well. I, I have to say I take the kind of the the I, I know that people will raise their eyebrows now, but the kind of I like black. Um, it's slimming. <laughs> Is it? Yeah, apparently. Oh, I need to start wearing black clothes. Yeah, well, you do get confused though for people that work at the venue. Get asked to you know, <laughs> where's the loo? Yeah, I'm the photographer. Yeah, where's the loo? Yeah. Right. <laughs> Makes no difference. Um, so I like black. Um, but, but probably because I'm also good at meals time, meal times as uh, dropping stuff down my front. Mm-hmm. So there could be another reason. Mm. Doesn't show as much. If I wore a white shirt, I'd be in real trouble, especially mm. on those paella eating weddings. Yeah, I actually do take. I have in the back of my car. I have a, a couple of spare shirts, a couple of spare pairs of trousers. Do you? Yep, and they just sit there all the time. Actually, um, Paul Rogers, who who we both know, mm-hmm. told me a story once about um, about a wedding he turned up at, and his trousers split. Mm-hmm. And uh, he had to go and buy a new pair mm. during the wedding. What? Call himself a photojournalist? Didn't he have one in his other bag or something? <laughs> <laughs> Don't think he did. But it did. It did make me think. I've, I think he takes another pair of trousers now. Yeah, wise. I'd always thought about shoes because it was only a couple of months ago I was shooting the wedding, and the father of the bride, his shoes split. Yeah, they, they actually the the bottom of it, brand new shoes, came away from the top of the shoe, and and within a few seconds, his toes are pointing out. Yeah, the but shoes. it's less embarrassing <laughs> to photograph a wedding with your toes with your toes pointing out than with certain the, other parts yeah, of yeah. your body pointing I, out. Well, that's true, absolutely. <laughs> um, I don't think there's um, no. I wouldn't necessarily um, dress according to Indian or Chinese or oh, Turkish no. Turkish. No. Well, I'd, I'm not sure I'd feel comfortable, or it would look right on me. I did once do. Although a, I understand it would it would be. Yeah, respectful. I, I, I honestly think if they make a point of saying to you, you know, can you or would you, mm. then I would. Um, I shot a Sikh wedding and, um, you know, you have to, to go into the, the, the temple. You've got to wear a turban and stuff. So, yeah, you know, I've yeah. done that uh, a couple of times. Um, but, yeah, I think that's just respecting. Oh, yeah. You know, and the, that's the same for Jewish weddings. Do oh, wear the, the kippa. Cap. Yeah, oh, yeah, wear the kippa. Yeah, 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 I've done that as well. Yeah, yeah because, yeah, because I think if you're at the, um, you know, in, during the ceremony mm-hmm. in there without Absolutely. one, I think it looks wrong and yes. disrespectful. Yeah, yeah, quite right. So, thank you, Bill. Go on then, Kev. Next one. Okay, so this is from Helen, Helen Fennell. Uh, it's quite a long one, so I'm not going to read it all out, but it says, Hello, Kevin and Neil. Uh, firstly, thanks for your work, blah, blah, blah. Thank you very much. Um, I wanted to ask you if you have any advice on dealing with drunk people. And she goes on to say she had a little bit of a issue, not at a wedding, but photographing a music gig with um, one of the guests, oh. um, getting pretty drunk and pretty angry with her. Um, Why? 
Uh, she was basically saying that the apparently the guest's uh, husband was a professional photographer and right. didn't like the way she was doing something or other. So she wasn't even taking pictures of the people. She was taking pictures of the band. Um, what business was it of that Absolutely, person? yeah. I, I totally get it. Um, now, I know you've had... Didn't you have your, didn't well, you have your head in a... In a somebody yeah, there was, around the neck oh, or something? Yeah, that was... Um, it was a, a wedding three years back, and there was a uh, a gentleman there that said he was um, in a, p- a particular army. I had no reason to disbelieve him. I I, th- I found him a fascinating guy to to photograph because of what he was wearing, and I was I was kind of drawn to him. And he was a, he was a good looking, interesting guy. Mm-hmm. And in the end, um, he'd had enough and um, grabbed hold of me and frog marched me and 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 physically threatened me. Mm. Um, yeah, I found that very unsettling. Mm. Yeah, yeah. And what did you do? Um, I stayed at the wedding. I know some people have said that they 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 got close to leaving weddings when mm. that when you've been abused that much by a, a mm. client. And I didn't feel I was abusing him. You could say, well, why did you keep photographing him? And it was a bit difficult, really, because he was amongst a group of people all having a good time, and I'm mm. I'm there to photograph this mm-hmm. good time, aren't mm-hmm. I? Mm-hmm. And um, I didn't think I overstepped. I mean, maybe it's the alcohol. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, I There was a videographer there, a guy that I've worked with before, and uh, that night he walked with me to the car when we both left because um, there was that much of a much of a feeling that this guy... This guy kept his eye on me. He followed me like a hawk, mm-hmm. and that felt intensely uncomfortable. Mm. I wonder what it was that he... He just didn't like the fact that you were taking pictures. I think so. I've I've had situations. No, I respect that. I respect yeah, him for that. Yeah, of course. Yeah, I don't, I don't think he needed to treat me the way he did. But no, I, no, you know. no. I think that sometimes people get um, a bee in their bonnet. You, you know, you do you remember when you were in school? Do you remember? Remember those days? Um, <laughs> yeah. Going back, uh, you know, there was always people. There was always people you grew up with who, uh, especially when it got to the age when you used to go out drinking. Basically, their idea of a good night out was if there was a fight at the end of it. You know, and there's only a minority of people. But you mix with very different people. Didn't you? I know. I kept saying to my mum, "Look, mum, <laughs> right, just only have one glass of wine, please." <laughs> um, but you know, were, but you, they- were you that? Were you that um, that family in the town then? Here come the Mullins. Yeah, here they come. <laughs> and there's stilettos. Um, the, you know, but there's always people like that, isn't there? There's people who yeah. you know who are out to cause trouble, yeah. and uh, I don't know whether they're just wired a bit differently, uh, or it's the alcohol, or in some cases drugs dare I say it um you know yeah. and you you just don't know um I mean I typically I keep myself to myself at weddings so I, I you know I can normally get away with most things I I do and I've noticed it I have to say over the last couple of years a bit more must say with younger people um who are more um abusive I suppose is lippy yeah lippy yeah oi photographer Oh, Come over here and take phrase. a picture of my yeah, wife. Yeah, yeah. What do you do then? What when they say that to me? Yeah. Or your photographer? Oh, I just bend down and do my shoelaces up and do you? go the other way. Yeah. You'll never take their photograph. I'll never. Anybody who says "oi" photographer to me will never have their photograph. Do you not just humour them? Do it once. Say, "Yeah, got it. Well done, mate." And, if it's and done, move on. If it's done in a humorous way, mm. um, then fine. Absolutely. Um, and often I will say to them, you know, I've already got loads of pictures of you anyway, you know, fine looking couple that you are. Um, so, you know, I'll normally diffuse it. But if they are, if it's, you know, uh, 
you often get people who um i don't know trying to just trying to stand out from the crowd a bit you know as as the guests and you know what to answer the question though it's you uh, number one is you have to look after yourself absolutely you're there to do a job and somebody's commissioned you to do a job um i've never been in this situation i hopefully never will be but i would have no problem leaving if i felt like there was a threat i would rather leave than get myself into trouble of some kind would you tell the bride and groom yeah of course yeah okay um but i you know i i think that you know these days i don't know, i they, it's really hard for me to put my 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 finger on it but i i feel like the the dynamics of weddings are changing a little bit there's a lot more um marquee weddings garden weddings there's a lot more you know a lot of people that i've seen over the last few years have been supplying their own alcohol going to france to get their cheap alcohol uh, you know, there's a lot of, and and that becomes free then for the guests. Free yeah. alcohol can yeah. often be a recipe for disaster. Yeah. Um, you know, and I, I don't know whether there's things like that in place, but but you know, don't get me wrong. By and large, 99 percent of the time, it's not an issue whatsoever. But it does occasionally you do get people who are uh, mischievous, and you know. I, yeah, I think the diffusing thing is very important here. Mm. And I feel sorry for Helen because that's not a nice thing. You know, photography is an art and it should be about mm. emotions and feelings and, yeah, and capturing yeah, memories and stuff. Yeah. And for that reason, I'm going to try and cheer her up by sending her a strap. <laughs> so, Helen, to yeah. help you, um, next time you get a drunk guest at your... Um, Whip them with your strap. <laughs> you can hit them with your military grade <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> strap. <laughs> Don't forget to use the lugs on the end. It will work better. <laughs> no, we didn't suggest that, by the way. <laughs> but well done. Um, a couple, uh, uh, these aren't really questions, but a couple of uh, put you rights. Uh, you'll, you'll hate this, Kev. Oh, God. Eric DeLong and about. Alan Gump on Canada. Uh, listening to, to episode 10. Oh, by the way, they both said love the show. So I think this is more one of those kind of radio jocular um, have a go at uh, the host moments. Um, yes, uh, oh yes, I was a bit surprised at some of the facts you were stating. For the record, Canada. Yes, we're the second biggest country in the world by size, but no, we're not three times bigger than North America. Ah, I see, okay. Um, Bet you wish you were, though. We, <laughs> we don't all have moose. I was the one that mentioned the moose, wasn't I? Yeah. So, to be fair, yeah, it's, Eric, you're right. You don't all live with a moose in the back garden. In much the same way that, you know... Um, some some Americans seem to think that Brits live in castles with moats <laughs> around them, and we all know the Queen. But Eric, I, I take that on board. You are absolutely right, and um, uh, I, I will lash uh, Kevin with the um, and myself with, with, uh, with, with a damp copy of the <laughs> of the BJP magazine this month. Alan Gump as well. He he pointed that out. He had loads of facts about yeah. Canada's population, Chicago's population. You really went to town with this, Alan. This could be a whole episode about facts and figures about Canada. But um, Alan Gump, San Francisco Bay Area, um, please keep bringing us your otherwise superb content. Sorry to nerd out. <laughs> otherwise superb. I like that, but, but you really thunked up um, a double clunker clunk on that one. That's Dr. Zeus. Hmm. I like a Dr. Zeus reference. Hmm. Anyway. Are you sure it's Dr. Zeus? Don't get the facts wrong. No, Are no. Are you sure? Alan you G- 100% no. sure? I tell you what, if Alan Gump says it, it's good enough for me. <laughs> it's good enough for me. Go on, you've got a question. Uh, okay, so the question here is from Paul Bar- oh, Balaresque from Chile. I give you on purpose, by the way, all the difficult yeah. names. Uh, hello, James and Kevin. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm used to that. 
Con- contrite congratulations I believe he means on your great podcast entertaining inspiring useful guys I've got a question for the ex- oh, it's contrate isn't it contrate yeah. is that Spanish for congratulations I think, I think that sounds like mm, it might be good Alan um, Gump's going to correct me if I'm wrong see si, si. he's looking it up right now uh, um, <laughs> I've got a question for the XT3 I can't understand the manual states that the selected option metering using the metering dial will only work if the AF face eye detection is face off eye off can't understand what's going on and i've done some tests and can't find any difference uh okay i need to read that a little bit Mm, the selected option metering the metering dial will only work if the af face eye detection is off correct uh yes it's true so you when you have your face detection on your metering system, as far as I can remember, thinking back to Saturday's wedding mm. with the new updates to the X-T3, um, because I've never really used face detection before that, it does does not kick in. Yeah, it doesn't just doesn't do anything. It's the same as when you're shooting in manual mode. We just talked about this. Yeah. The metering is, is irrelevant. You can still switch the dials. There was another question, and this is the question I thought I was answering, um, about the the metering dials on the X-T3. Because they're a physical dial... Um, even when the metering is disabled, you can still twist the collar. It's called a collar, the metering collar. Right. Um, and the question, I'm not sure whether we we get to that one, was, uh, you know, the metering should be disabled, but yeah, I can still change the metering. And that's because it's a physical dial rather than it's not something that can be physically disabled. And that's what I thought this question was about, actually. But yes, I mean, the fact is you cannot, once it's doing the face detection, it will not be activating the metering. That face detection, by the way, is so good. Mm. We were playing around with that this morning. Mm. That's the, the latest firmware what did the latest firmware change with regard to uh, autofocus so autofocus speed was quicker um, continuous focus speed is quicker the face detection um, is much quicker both yeah. in video and stills and also now you can select people you can actually uh, choose so which do, person you're going oh, right, so to follow right yeah. okay so, so if you've chosen the left person it stays with them yeah and the other thing so photographically as well as correct in film yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah 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 wow okay um the other thing that uh, one of the most annoying things about the X-T3 since it's launched was that every time you turned it on, it would say um, you still got files waiting to be yeah. transferred. And yeah, yeah, yeah. hidden in this little update was they've, they've got rid of that. Um, Isn't that funny? I didn't notice it once at the weekend. Of course. Uh, and I kept thinking, yeah. oh, I must have put the right cards in the right no, camera. No, no, no. But here's another little tip for everybody. If you don't use Bluetooth, switch it off in the menu because it's just going to use your battery up like nobody's business. Is it? Yeah. Okay. All right. Um, I've got one more, and then we'll go into this week's guest. Hi there. Love your podcast, guys. Listen to it whenever I'm editing or on a long drive. This is from Adrian, Adrian Tuzon. Uh, Just wanted to say that Kevin's process of editing backwards is exactly what I do as well, and for the same reasons. I've only just started doing it in the last six months when I realised I could edit the reception and dance floor images a lot faster this way. So I do those first and work backwards in batches of 10 or so images. Revelation to hear Kev doing the same thing, as I thought my process was quite unique or even counterproductive. Explain that one again for anybody that didn't hear, because I know you've said it a couple of times now, but it is a really different way of editing. Well, it's pretty simple. Just start at the end. <laughs> That's it. But why? Well, because you... But why is it quicker? It, why is it It's quicker more for me because I, you, your brain doesn't have the context of what's coming next. 
Um, and again, I know you know we've talked about this before, but it's like if you read a sentence backwards, mm. your brain has to concentrate much more hard on understanding the const the context of that sentence. Read it forwards, and you just you'll stumble over double words and things like that, and your brain will just ignore it. Working backwards with the editing means that you don't have your brain doesn't have the luxury of knowing what's coming next, essentially, which right. doesn't necessarily you know it's not physically it doesn't make any difference, but in terms of workflow, it makes a big difference to me, and I don't get cluttered up by thinking, oh, I'm sure that there's another picture like this later on or anything yeah, okay. like that, you know. Um, it's probably not for everybody. Well, there, there's other people. I, I, Adrian Tuzon is doing it himself. Well done. So there we go. Thank you, Adrian, for your. Your was not so much a question, but uh, yeah. reminding us of that that editing system again. Right, uh, this week's guest um, was about three or four years ago. I, I started tr- uh, contacting a, a guy called uh, Jim Mortram. If you have not checked out um, Small Town Inertia, Inertia um, as a series of photo stories about people that live in a town close to him, those that he, I, I guess, I mean, he cares for his mother. But um, I think he cares as much for those that he photographs as he does for his family members in terms of the interest he shows in them and the stories that he's able to tell. Um, you, you've you've seen his work as well, haven't yeah, you? Yeah, I love Jim's work, absolutely. Yeah, I bought the, the book he made and, uh, I mean, it's... I've got one of his at the back. That one over there. Yeah, oh, you've got a print, yeah. I love that print. It's, uh, it's so powerful. It's sad. It's really sad that... Uh, you know, you he has to make these pictures. That's that's the hardest thing about. Well, they're it. social comment pictures. They are, but he he's coming at it not from a point of view uh, uh, as it being a job. It's a mm. vocation. Yeah, and he has people in his community, his own family, that are very unfortunate. And if it wasn't for him taking these pictures, there would be no awareness of it. And I think that's that's a really sad thing. I mean, his art is beautiful. But it's hard to look at. It's hard to, you know, to take in. And the worst thing about it is if it wasn't for him doing that on a, you know, on a, a vocational basis, yeah. how would we know? You know, it's... He's it's, befriended it's, some of his some of his subjects to, to the degree where he was uh, with one on their last visit to their mother as she, mm. as she passed on in hospital. Yeah, I can easily see how it happens. I and mean, the, the trust that he has, that, that he's created by working... This is interesting. By working locally, mm. by by uh, by thinking right, okay, I'm I'm going to tell the story of my. I mean, he's going much like, funnily enough, James Revilius, mm. who, who worked on a larger canvas, I suppose, mm-hmm, in terms mm-hmm. of distance. Mm-hmm. Um, he's going to have an incredibly important document um, of Suffolk, hugely. And and the thing is, the difference between somebody like Jim and uh, you know, without without kind of passing judgment on anything, is you know, he's not being commissioned. It's not like the no. the Times have rung him up and said, hey, you know what, Jim, we you know, there's this sad thing going on. We yeah, want you to, yeah. you know, we'll pay you eight hundred quid for a, a front page article or something. Something. It's none of that. It's it's this is proper social journalism, and it's important. And you, you know we don't see these days people people like him are few and far between. I feel. Oh, definitely. You know, people. There will be a lot of people listening to this, and and I'm I'm convinced of it. A lot of people listening to this be thinking, oh, I'd love to do something like that. It would look great on my Instagram. You know, and mm. and that's not how it should be. You know, I feel that Jim, you know, he has to expose these pictures because that's the message he's getting through. But, you know, if you if he even if he had no um, platform for that, 
he'd still be the person he is. He's not doing it for oh, absolutely. the ego. Oh, he's so genuine. That we live in these days. Yeah, yeah. yeah absolutely. Um, and so these kind of projects, and, and I would love to do something like this, of course, as well. I absolutely would love to get into a proper social photography project. Yeah. Um, but you know you have to you have to figure out your reasons, your whys, your wheres, your hows, all of that stuff. Um, and they're not easy to do. Um, no. Giles, my my really you know fond friend of Giles, who who was a in the British Army, photographing for many many years out in Bosnia and and, and Serbia, Iraq, and mm. um, he's been for a while now trying um, a, a hometown stories uh, project himself. And um, no, he's a good image maker. But he says it's hard. It's hard actually because you have to you have to earn trust. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. That's what Jim's done. Yeah. So Top well, man. here's here's um, a little piece of, um, of of a fuller podcast that I will release at some. So you can see the film on YouTube on my mm-hmm. YouTube channel. But um, but I, I will do a fuller podcast as, as as well on this one. I'd love to go back and talk to to Jim. I might use this as as an opportunity to say, Jim, let's let's. Uh, Let's flesh out some of the stories we were talking about at the time. But um, here, here's an excerpt, anyway, of, of Jim Mortram talking about what it means to, well, truthfully and, and yeah, tell stories about those on your, on your own doorstep. It was never an intention to involve myself any other side than behind the camera. However, uh, through shooting these stories, you invariably become incredibly emotionally involved. Um, the challenge is, is not to uh, you know, permeate the stories or leave your imprint within them, and that's been, that's been quite difficult. When I began, I didn't know anyone that I, I've now known for upwards of five, six, seven years. And it's a real challenge, but ultimately a blessing, to now regard a lot of the people that I document as my close friends. Well, I was going to ask, actually, do, do you feel enriched because you're now a friend or do you feel enriched as a photographer? Oh, I feel enriched because I feel humbled because I'm considered a friend and I feel humbled that I'm allowed into people's lives to, to do this, to, to help facilitate this. But do you still see yourself as a photographer? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, of course. You know, it's my, my partner says I'm like a carer of 30 people. She might be right, but... I figure it's just that's what you do if you're part of a community. Because that's what I wasn't when I began the series. I wasn't a part of a community. I was part of an amazing family unit that was and is caring for somebody that needs care and love and attention. But what I was lacking was any sense of uh, being a part of my community. Even now, when I look back at this project, appreciative of the fact that some of those photographed have different lives now, some of the characters in the photo essays have disappeared or moved on, I still get a strong sense, as much as I did when I first poured over these pictures online, of Jim's sincere desire to make social comment for people who often aren't given a positive or empathic platform from which to tell their own plight or share experiences of loneliness, neglect, poverty or mental illness. Jim has taken a strong stance with equally strong subject matter, Topics which many people find uncomfortable or may struggle to accept is a part of their market town architecture. These are photo stories that deal with reality, rather than contrived edits to make populist headlines. Some reporting is done with great intention and is done with some semblance of respect, you know, for not just the subjects but the people within 
the subject that's been discussed. There is, however, a despicable trade in stereotyping and um, scapegoating and marginalising. Benefit Street is a really easy touchstone and that kind of program programming is uh, makes me fucking furious. How could it not anyone with any semblance of um, care and compassion? Because you know, you tell a story, you've got to make sure, at least at the very least, you don't just tell one side. You know, and in a show like that, you know where it's coming from. You know why it's being made, and it's not being made to reflect the truth of people on benefits that, for example, are, are working as carers that save this country billions. Because if every carer decided to walk away from their responsibilities, it would stop the country instantly. The reason they don't, and they, you know, the main reason they don't, is because most people that are carers, for example, just one of that whole kind of gamut of people on benefits, but it's the one that I feel most inclined to talk about because it's what I do. Um, the reason most people don't walk away from their care duties is because they're caring for, for loved ones. Photography, what I really discovered, I mean, that's the thing, isn't it? Okay. In life, you're always, one supposes, searching for that thing that's your thing. Right? I mean, I'd, I'd been to art school, I'd painted, I loved it. A lot of ego involved in, in that. I played in bands for a long time, made music, a lot of ego involved in that. Photography, I love principally for what I said earlier. The instructions are so simple with a, with, with a traditional camera, okay? The lens points one way, you're the other side of that lens and it's pointing out from you. Um, it's one of the rare art forms, if it is an art form, that has that kind of uh, built-in instruction to it where you're shooting out. It's out from the self. Uh, and that's really, really important to me. I we can be, sometimes we can all get trapped in introspection and in, everything's always about us. And the thing that I love about photography is it gives me the opportunity to do the opposite of that. You know, I'm, I'm always looking out. I'm looking out at other people. My, my dad used to shoot, you know, when I was a kid, he'd shoot local bands and he'd shoot black and white, develop it in the kitchen, yeah. you know. Um, in fact, I'm going to do an exhibition with him in February, which is Fantastic. going to be great, you know, 10 shots of his and 10 shots of mine. I, I'm digging that. Um, but that was, you know, for me, that was what photography well, that was the only real experience I had of photography. Subsequently, of course, I've learned, you know, a, a vast amount of the history of photography, and I'm, I'm making a point of studying it and writing about it and understanding, uh, you know, maybe in a way where I fit into this kind of linear history of documentary working in England, about you know, uh, in in the UK, and where, where it fits in is that's fascinating in itself, but. Um, no, certainly no. I've never really made an aesthetic choice about black and white or colour. When I first started shooting black and white, it was a real simple answer. My monitor was bust. I read that. So, every, you know, I couldn't, I couldn't shoot colour. So, you know, so, you know, that came to a point where la, it was last year I shot over 200 colour frames, put a website up. 
you're an idiot if you shoot one you know one if you shoot one thing and then you have people that say well you know I like the, I like the idea of the stories but I don't like black and white so I'm not going to tune out well part of my function is to make sure people want to see the stories because there's there's an important thing you know to be there's something far more important than my notions of aesthetic or you know um, it's why I don't look at it as art if it was art I would probably care more if people weren't looking at it from my input but my input my uh, creative input my ideas about art and aesthetic are meaningless in relation to how important it is that these stories get shared but for me and this comes from personal experience because I've been a lot of the things that a lot of the people in these stories have endured I have drank too much self-harms went a little bit crazy under the stress and the trials of surviving as a carer and that's the tip of a big iceberg just personally so I know that if anyone was to walk into my life at my lowest they would be able to take a snap judgment and that would be me but I know the whole story so in turn that's the one thing that's informed me about what I should do as a, as a documentarian if, if for want of a better word with all, with all of the people that I work with it isn't just a snapshot. It has to be the full story. Without that, you're just inviting people to make judgments. Um, and it shouldn't be about judgments, it should be really about explanations. Jim Maltram, and uh, as promised, I will do a longer version of that on the Breathe Pictures uh, podcast. Uh, although, as I say, there is the, the YouTube film to go and watch on, on my channel. Um, we'll what, answer that in the in the website notes. Yes, in the website notes. Um, what, what's the difference then between? Okay, you mentioned just prior to playing that about um, about people doing it for 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 uh, the sheer, I, I suppose, altruistic um, requirement of themselves to tell a story, mm-hmm. and somebody like Lee Jeffries, who has an immense following on on Instagram. Yeah, does he? Does he? I mean, he's telling he's telling stories of of the poor and um, yeah. Is there a common ground here, or I don't think so. No, I, you know what? I love Lee Jeffrey's work. I I, I, yeah, I adore it. Incredible work. Um, but he's you know he's he he made his um, he made his mark by making these very highly processed images of homeless people, mm. um, and you know he he got a big following from that. I don't think that he was doing those highly processed Im- images to highlight a thing, a cause, a no. cause. No. Um, and again, you know, you, you need to be a bit careful, kind of the way that I, I come across it, because I love the work, yeah. but it's very, um, you know, he'll often kind of make people perhaps look a little bit like they're not in real life, you know, and that's definitely the opposite to to the way that Jim is working. Yeah. Um, and don't get me wrong, there's nothing, you know, we all want to make money out of photography. That's the whole point of it. Yeah. That's the whole point of having a career in it. Um, but there is a, uh, you know, I would imagine Jim. I don't know, but I would imagine Jim kind of fell into this this um, vocation um, through circumstance rather than anything else. Well, I, I love that bit in the um, in the interview where where he says um, I asked him a, a question about uh, working in black and white. So why why black and white? I mean, I I think actually it tells the story far better in monochrome. But mm-hmm. I asked him why black and white. And he looked at me. He said, "Do you want to know why why it's just always been black and white?" So go on, tell me. He said. 
my monitor couldn't show colour. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> so there we go. Jim Mortram. Right, back to the questions, and then we'll get on to the subject of the week, which is this week. Have you got gas? Um, Tim Cassidy. Hello again, guys. Uh, oh, Tim's written before. Oh, fine. There's, there's, no, <laughs> there's no number of times you can contact us. An apology if you've already covered this one on one of the earlier episodes, and I missed it. But I would love to know... Um, a kind of step-by-step process of your workflow after a typical wedding. Programs used, presets used, time spent, etc. To be fair, at least in the case of Kev, I know that he's previously covered this topic some uh, a little bit on his YouTube channel, but I'd still love to hear what uh, one or both of you uh, can give me as an overview of how, how you do it, especially regarding how long it takes you to edit a wedding's worth of images from start to finish. A little bit about me. I'm originally from the from the States. been living, living the last 10 years in Mexico City, and I'm in the process of getting my documentary wedding photo business off the ground here thank you very much to uh, to tim we we are going to do a proper workflow episode so can we abridge this one and um tim it, it'll be thanks to you that we will do a, a real proper subject on this as the main subject like we're doing gas today um another time but do you want do you want to run through some of the basics of your workflow Sure. Um, so essentially, I shoot to two memory cards in the camera. Um, now I've started using 128 gig cards. So I have um, raw, raw to one, JPEG to the other. Yep. And the the secondary card essentially stays in the camera at all times. I can get multiple weddings on there. It doesn't really, you know, it just stays in there essentially. Okay. The raw card is um, once I'm done with the wedding, that goes into my uh, little pouch that is connected to my belt. It doesn't come off my belt until I get home, even if I go to a petrol station or whatever. Right. Um, I, I get home and I don't really do anything at that point. The pouch goes on to the highest shelf possible uh, in the house because <laughs> so we, the have, dog doesn't we get have multiple it. dogs and kids and guinea pigs. And do you really think the dogs will get it? There, there, there we go. Um, Kev's pouch right now. <laughs> Pardon the expression. But thereafter, I use um, I go to the studio the next day, and it's but they're all backed up. All of the those um, files are backed up into three locations. Yep. Um, one is uh, one of those locations is then zipped up and dropped into Dropbox. It's a big old zip file that takes about eight hours to upload. Um, editing wise I'll then use Photo Mechanic to select my images Um, normally around about 400 450 pictures will make the cut on an average wedding Mm -hmm. Um, and then I'll use a combination of Lightroom or Alien Skin Exposure um, to to do the edit you're big on ASC yeah I am it's it's getting so much better the new update to Alien Skin Exposure uh, 4.5 is uh, is really good. Um, I tried it after we talked about mm. it. I st- I'm still not quite there with it, but mm. it it's seems it's a to different be f- paradigm to, yeah, to Lightroom. Yeah, it does take take a little bit of effort to get used to it. An Australian photographer the other day, uh, I, I will have his name somewhere, was telling me, you know, go to Capture One. Capture One is the only <coughs> thing that will that will really help you make these Fuji film uh, raw files sing. There's so many different software. You know, mm. if I'm totally, totally, totally honest, the like Fujifilm have aligned themselves with Capture One now, and uh, you know they they will probably encourage their ambassadors to use Capture One and everything. Mm. And but I will continue to use what works for me. Um, and actually, the, the the application that has given me the cleanest raw files, uh, Fujifilm raw files, is SilkyPix. 
Silky Picks. Silky Picks is the little piece of software that used to come on the CD when you got your cameras, and now you just download it. It's free. Right. Okay. Um, it's not made by Fujifilm, but it's licensed by them. And that is the cleanest raw editor that I have ever used for Fujifilm files. It doesn't sound. It sounds like a piece of joke software, doesn't it? The interface is absolutely terrible. Is it? Yeah, the interface right. is terrible. Workflow is terrible. But if you're just doing individual images, then it's great. And I think this is where Capture One is also very good for, um, because I have that now also. And it, like for individual images, um, uh, Capture One is great. You know, I, I can't see the difference myself um, between the, you know, the the various like Lightroom and Alien Skin and Capture One. And, you know, you, you've got a really, really be pixel peeping to 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 see the difference or you could be printing at a particular you know level luminous. have you noticed it does anything different with skin tones or not really no no i haven't um but then i'm editing 400 pictures in, in a go i'm not doing fine art landscape photography that's going to be hung on a, a museum wall in which case those people probably will be noticing the differences if yeah. there is any differences so you know use what works i mean it's it's not a um, it's not a competition, is it? Okay, right. Uh, <laughs> one more question from you. Then I think we probably before we do the gas thing, we should um, uh, we should do one of our, our, our self indulgent minutes. Hi Neil and Kevin. I don't own GFX and have no plans to get one at all. I'm just curious. Kevin, you were very excited about a larger format street camera for some time and did quite a bit of your personal work on GFX. Uh, you have now sold both models. Interested in the decisions behind that. Um, Okay, so there's a bit of the confusion here, complete confusion. Um, I had a GFX 50S, which I used for my day-in-the-life photography and for some personal street photography, and actually at some weddings, but not, not too many. Um, and then when the GFX 50R came out and I was involved in the um, getting some pre-sample images for that, I realised straight away that I would not need my GFX 50S because the 50R is producing exactly the same thing but was in a much better body shape for me personally. Um, that so was I, your camera, that one, wasn't it, really? I sold the 50S, yes. the GFX 50S. Yeah. So the GFX 50R was never mine. It was Fujifilm's. And oh, I thought you... No. Oh, right. So Fujifilm take that, but you know, we don't get stuff. We don't get it. You no, know. I thought you'd bought one. No, I bought the 50S. So I, oh, I but sold. You didn't buy the R. No, I sold ah, the 50S. Sorry. Right. I sold the 50S with the. But you were using that R above a swimming pool <laughs> because it wasn't mine. <laughs> okay. Um, so the 50S was sold. The 50R was not mine. It was Fujifilm's. It was loaned to me to get the sample images, and then they take it back. It's gone. No. Um, so I don't have a 50R. And right now, I you know I would love to be able to drop three and a half grand or whatever it is on a new camera, um, but yeah, winter and all that kind of stuff, it's it's just not happening. So I didn't. Sell it was all those PT sessions you're having? Yeah, you didn't have so many PT back. sessions. You could afford the camera. I need to spend some more money on a chiropractor. Um, so <laughs> to answer the question, Gareth, I, I would never have sold that 50R because I never had it. It wasn't mine to sell. Um, and I think in terms of the pictures that I was getting with it at weddings, it's definitely not a camera that would replace the X series, no. the uh, APS-C sensor no. cameras. It could work side by side, perhaps for a few of the shots, but it's not. You know, you just not going to get the speed that I it's need. It's not quick enough. The reactiveness, it's, uh, you know, it's it's back to the bigger camera days, and that's one of the reasons why I moved away from DSLRs. Um, however, in what I did find with the 50R was uh, on the streets and on in some weddings where the environment was right, 
you could get some very high impact pictures um especially if they're going to be printed or whatever you know it still beggars belief me the amount of people that have bought the gfx system and, and all they do is stick pictures on facebook or instagram with it you know if you're not if you have a gfx system and you're not printing from it then you know you're missing out on it's like having a Porsche and not going more than 40 miles an hour mm. they must be printed yeah, they yeah. have to be printed I've seen the ones that you've printed from well mm. probably from the S actually haven't I the yeah. ones of uh, Albia the ones with Albia from oh, the S oh the details yeah. incredible oh, it's nuts it's yeah, nuts yeah, yeah. yeah so thank you for your question um, if you want to send in questions they are the lifeblood of the show then click at fujicast.co.uk is the address. Should have said that a couple of times by now. Click at fujicast.co.uk. Send us your questions and uh, we will get round to them, I promise. There's a whole wadge of them here, but they're such a delight to, to receive and and really, really appreciate your time that you, you um, spend writing them. And you may get your camera straight. I know, I meant to do it and I, I will do it. I've got one, I've got one more mm-hmm. question to come and... Uh, that's clearly going to be the, the winner of the camera strap for me. Right, self-indulgent moment. You can go first. Terrific photography podcast. I've listened to the first four episodes and can't wait for the next one. Even if you don't shoot Fuji, you can learn a lot from these mm. two. Wonderful humour and a deep appreciation for and understanding of the craft. Highly recommended. And that's from Fitz PB. Steve in Birmingham. My favourite photography podcast. Thank you, Steve. After listening to many, many photography podcasts over the years, some good, some dreadful... And at last, I have one which is great. Oh, bless you. I really love the relaxed humour the guys bounce off each other just right and top it off the, at the peak of their game. Well, Kevy's, which is a joy to learn from. If I, if I had one wish for the show, it'd be an occasional guest from different... Oh, this was that thing. From different disciplines. Film, macro, landscape, surrealism. Surrealism? Mm. Fashion, natural oh, history. Yeah, good, Sarah, good idea. We need to tweet to Sarah Lando about yes. that. Um, this is from Wild Boardman. Who? <laughs> Shh. Quietly given a five-star review. Uh, <laughs> that's what he wrote. Uh, great, infor- uh, great informative show, gents. Certainly opened my, uh, my world to new ideas and different interesting people, and it's not all about food to film cameras. <laughs> it's about the art of photography. Looking forward to many more shows. It even reaches it, uh, us in the land of the hobbits in New Zealand, which is better reached than IKEA, <laughs> as they forgot to include us on the world map. Do you not LOL. have an IKEA in New Zealand? Um, no, you've got to be careful. You're getting your facts right. Alan will tell me. Alan, you just let me know, please. You Right, right. I've, Alan's going to become our fact checker. On the, <laughs> Alan Gump, official fact checker of the show. Gas. Do you have gas? Uh, less so now than I used to, I think. Yeah. But, yeah, I think we all suffer from it a bit. Gear-acquired syndrome. We thought we'd have a chat about that this week as our, as our topic. I think we both suffered from it. Mainly for me, it's bags. The amount of bags I've bought. And actually, funnily enough, because of my interest in sound, microphones. I have 15, 16, 17 different microphones. I, I, I'm just looking at... If the listeners could see what I'm looking at now, you, you would have a, a well, very, uh, very cl- clear and concise understanding of uh, Neil's gas syndrome. Because so. there are buttons and dials and <laughs> microphones and pedals and lights blinking. Yeah, but these are all necessary. Of course. They're all necessary. Yes. I need every one of them. Yes. Every one. I yes. need more. And so I need all my 16 cameras. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, the, 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 you've got a microphone there, Audio-Technica 804040. That's the one that Kevin talks into. Mm-hmm. Um, this one's a Neumann. TLM 103. Mm-hmm. Uh, a couple of weeks' time, we've got a guest. I've, I've actually gone out and bought her a microphone. Oh, bless you. Very kind. Um, then in the desk over here, look at this. This is my box of Rode lapel microphones, uh, many of which have never been used. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I don't know. I mean, I like for me, from a photographic point of view, I... 
I don't feel like I've got stuff that I don't need because I do sell cameras when I've stopped using them unless they have any kind of um, emotional impact with me. So, for example... But that's all your cameras. I've never known you sell a camera. No, I have. I've sold... Uh, well, s- apart from the GFX that we I were sold talking the GFX. about. Yeah, I, yeah, sold yeah. The, uh, I sold my um, two X-T2s. I sold two X-T1s. I've sold X-T10s. Um, so you don't have an X-T2? No. No. X-Pro2? Yes, I'm still using the X-Pro2. Yeah. You've got two of them or one of them? I've got three of them. <laughs> Why three? Well, one for me, one for me, and one just in case one of the other ones don't work. Right. No. So one of them... So what do you take to a wedding? I take... Well, currently I'll shoot with an X-T3 and an X-Pro2. Right. And in the bag, as a backup, will be another X-Pro2 and uh, X100F, maybe, or X70. You don't perhaps. have any problem shooting with different bodies? The, no. No, it's all the same, isn't it? Like the menus and everything. Different sensor. Yeah, marginally. Mm. Marginally. I mean, I would. When I used to shoot, right at the beginning, when I used to shoot with Canon and um, Fujifilm, I used to separate out the images in Lightroom. So because I had to process those images slightly differently. Yeah. But no, I don't. I don't worry about that. Um, uh, Much like I don't worry about things like lens caps and bits and pieces like that. They're, They're the things that I definitely don't have any. Uh, acquisition syndrome for I think when you start when you start photographing you believe that you need something to make you better don't you you know if I have that that's going to make me much better if I have that then my flash shots are going to look better I mean these those uh, what are they called those (laughs) things that you put on the I know some people like that was that a different Mm -hmm. brand altogether I think that's slightly different but similar I went out and bought all that And and to be fair, a lot of people love that product, and and you know it's it you see it everywhere. Mm. But I didn't need it, and it didn't make me a better photographer. It, and actually, I don't even use flash that it, often. Here's a question for you, then. Right, thinking right back to the first time you became a photographer. Yeah. Okay. What what camera? What made you buy the first camera you bought? What was your thought process? So the very first. Well, they were film cameras, the first ones. Okay. So Nikon F5. Okay, so why the Nikon F5? I'll tell you why. Um, it was big, and I felt it looked like a photographer should have a camera this yeah, large. Exactly. It was a huge... I've still got one because there is an emotional attachment uh-huh, to it. Quite right. I, I don't even know if the batteries would work. It's been in a bag for so long, in a closet. But, yeah, that's the first one I bought. It was big, and it felt... It felt significant in my hand, and I felt like a photographer. Mm-hmm. So when I did that, when I, I wasn't using film, but back in whenever it was, because I, I remember I only became a photographer 2008, whenever it was, right. and I bought a Canon uh, EOS 300D, I think it was at the time. And why? Because. <laughs> it was big. no. Uh, that, that one's not because because uh, I had a or in my office that I was working in there was a Canon photocopier so I knew the name Canon. Really? Yeah, I had no idea about Nikon at the time. I went to Jessup's or Argos, I might have been. Um, I looked up cameras. I had a certain budget. I looked for one that within that budget looked professional, mm. and it had the same name as my photocopier that I knew worked very well. That's brand loyalty. Yeah, no, it's brand, it's brand loyalty or stupidity one way or the other um, because not stupid that I bought a Canon camera because it was a great camera. Mm. But, you know, it, 
it, it proves both you and I stumbled into this, the embryonic stages of our career, based on nothing um, other than uh, pressure from, you know, brand or size or, you know, whatever, yeah. you know, not not really thinking things through. Brand loyalty is quite an important thing to photographers, isn't it? Um, I mean, when you look at, well, let, we, we spoke about the, the amount of hate you get for making YouTube videos sometimes, mm. where you are talking about something that you particularly like, and that upsets people who use a different flavour of camera altogether, doesn't it? Yeah, For sometimes. Some yeah, and and again, not sometimes, oftentimes. Often, yeah, absolutely. And and actually, interestingly, I know, I know we're not really doing a question here, but I, I've got one in front of me from Sean Dono, um, who I think we've spoke to before as well. Um, and it says, "I know Kevin is a Fujifilm ambassador, and I'm a Fujifilm equipment myself. I use Fujifilm equipment myself. But has he ever tried any other manufacturer's gear? Sony seemed to have the edge in respect of their recent cameras having um, stunning autofocus properties. So I'm interested to hear if you've tried any other cameras recently or have been tempted to." Um, and that's quite interesting because I, 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 you know, I'm I'm very much aware that you know people in the industry are use whatever brand they, they they wish to, of course so, and and quite rightly. And you know, I I uh, maybe six, five, six years ago, whatever, I went to the um, Leica Academy in Mayfair and spent a, a week with um, was it a week or a couple of days? Can't remember. With Edmund Terracopian showing oh, me how wow. to use a Leica. What a treat! Um, yeah, it was great. And uh, you know, I loved the I loved the images, the the couple of images that I got out of that camera that were in focus. Not <laughs> not the camera's fault at all. That, totally my fault. Um, but this whole idea, you know, these kind of questions I get on a daily basis. That you know, the Sony Sony are better at autofocus than than Fujifilm, and the fact is it may be the case or it may not be the case i don't i don't know because i don't use the sony cameras but when i usually throw that question back and i say to them oh have you compared the two? Oh no i've never used a fujifilm camera mm. okay so you're you're saying sony is better because you're using sony and you know that's one thing i won't do i'll never you've say seen a review or you've seen a review yeah and you don't want it to not be true mm. that's the key thing um, and you know the of course I'm an, an ambassador so you know I, I, I Fujifilm and me have a very um, uh, a, a relationship where we it works on trust okay so they know that if I want to start using uh, other equipment I will tell them and I will say to them look you know what this isn't working this camera this the way the system is going isn't working for me are you me. that honest with them yeah wow. absolutely and I've always said to them that if a system comes along that is better for my clients because they're the only ones that count right yeah, yeah. the clients are the ones that pay me not fujifilm then i will change so if sony or canon or nikon or somebody came up another flavor came up with something that was better for your clients yeah you've you've said but, to but you said to, to your brand that you support that you'd think about it yeah absolutely and and that's that's good and that's good for them because that means that they will they will you know they still listen they take on board the stuff that we all say to them uh, and by by we i mean the the industry the community um and you know interestingly about three years ago i suppose it was two or three years ago i i'm not going to say which brand it was but i had a two cameras turned up in the post okay not fujifilm cameras um and dun, dun, dun. there was ju- just cameras two cameras right. and with a, a note with a business card for a pr agency oh. and it, all the card said was call us and that was oh. it no in my mind did, uh, did you call them no what, I, ca- what cameras nothing turned up i took <laughs> <laughs> no i just put return to sender because oh, did you? in right. my mind that's not how you do business that's that's you do not 
you know, the industry is is struggling as it is, both you know photographers and cameras and you know the the smartphones and all of this kind of stuff that are creeping up you don't you i just don't do business with people that that treat other businesses like that it's not mm. the way that i would no, do good anything point. good point um so no i sent them back and uh the fact is i mean answering sean's question no i don't know if the sony autofocus is better than the fuji autofocus because i haven't tried it um many people say it is many people say the fujifilm system is all i know is that the fujifilm system works perfectly well for me and there is no reason for me to switch you know if that stops happening if if and when an xt whatever comes an x pro whatever comes next and you know it's it's they've gone dramatically down the wrong direction in terms of sensor or whatever i really don't know then you know, then I would be like, well, actually, you know, time to move on. Maybe, maybe I need to look at something else. Do, do you think people are, um, are kit tourists as much as anything? We talk kit about, tourists. yeah, I like that. well, kit tourists in much the same way. Hi, I'm, I'm a kit I, tourist. <laughs> well, I have a podcast that I present with uh, with with somebody else. <laughs> the podcast collected me, um, which is a gym um, uh, podcast. I know. Look at me; it doesn't look like I should be doing a gym podcast. Don't talk to me about gyms. I know. Uh, he's a PT. Yeah. Um, and uh, we were talking about gym tourism. You know how people go to a gym, then they spend a few months there, and then they think, "Yeah, okay, but I still look. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not looking any better. So I'll go to another one because maybe that one uh, across town." Uh, does does even better and then maybe i'll join the 24 hour one because that means i can go to a gym at 3 30 in the morning and and then oh that one just hasn't made my abs do anything so i'll come back to the one that i was with originally is that really a thing gym do tourism is a like very that? real thing well maybe but but gym tourism is is something that that industry suffers from i mean i can understand it if the gym doesn't have the equipment or it's you know it's yeah, always busy when yeah, you go to be or fair, most gyms have the same sort of kit yeah and 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 you know you but 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 actually using that with um, with uh, with with photography is uh, that know, definitely exists uh, you know kit tourism where yeah. pe- people um try one bit of kit and they think well okay i like that but maybe the colors are better out the sony or, or i've heard that the canon has better color technology and they switch it back and back and back and yeah, back yeah. i mean I, I i i know hundreds of people literally hundreds of wedding photographers who switched basically every single cycle and by cycle i mean that you know canon or nikon or sony or fuji or whoever it is you know whatever kind of foot they've got their their, their fo- photographic technique in they um they will basically go to the latest model yeah, and they will sw- yeah, and they'll sell yeah. all their lenses and everything and that's cost uh, people a fortune of course it's, no lost way, it's absolutely revenue. no way to run a business at all um and then they'll switch it again next time the, the new system comes out and then they'll switch again and i'm like you know what you're just you know think about your capital expenditure you're just everything going out the window here mm. Um, just settle down and you know enjoy what you the thing is that word enjoyment is important to me as well you know yeah. uh, I, I can't think right now of any other brand of camera with the exception of Leica which I do know I love the cameras I love using those cameras yeah. um, that would bring me enjoyment okay and, and the Fujis do Fujis do hands down yeah especially the X-Pro and X100 uh, you know I just that's that is as much uh, that, that's as important to me as the technicalities of stuff. I really want there to be an X Pro Three. Mm. Um, I know we c- 
covered this ground a week or two ago, but but the X Pro 2, when you talk about enjoyment, I don't get as much enjoyment out of the X-T3 no. as I did out that X Pro 2. No. And the X Pro 2 is nowhere near as good a camera as the X-T3. No, absolutely. The X-T3 is a better camera, hands down, than the X Pro 2. Um, and, and you're quite right. Although saying that, I've, I've been, this last week or so, I've had an X-T30 on loan. And again, there was another message that came through about this, but... I can't Maybe see get to that it next in week. front of me, but yeah, yeah, it's XT30, smaller camera, and very, very fun to use. Yeah, I like, but the X Pro Two for me, I, I, I thought that was the mm. that was the one for me. Yeah, but, but this kit tourism thing's a good point, I think, and I think that's what people do an awful lot of. It took me, you know, it took me three years to make this change. Mm. Three years, I've I've worked with Canon alongside Fuji. During that time, uh, a retouch of the work with me um, practically was sometimes. Uh, you know, in tears because she was not happy with the images um, coming out of one system against another because mm. it's all a learning curve. Mm. Yeah. Um, and I hope she doesn't mind me saying that because I think we both struggled, to be fair. We both struggled. And it took me three years to really make make that change rather than chopping, chopping, chopping. Yeah, I mean, you know, gas, isn't it? It's gas. Yeah. You, if you want... I had slow-release gas. There is a there, <laughs> there is a very big difference between need and want. Yes. Need and want. Yes. You need these microphones, okay? I do need these microphones. You do need these microphones. <laughs> um, but did you want these microphones? Or would, want... it, would other microphones have done? No. <laughs> no. Listen to this one. This is a really good microphone. <laughs> Oh my Did God. you ever see Midnight Caller? There was a, a program on years ago. Midnight Caller was an American chat show host. Uh, he used to be like really close to the microphone. Is that I'm what... sorry to our American cousins that are saying that's a crap American impression. But he was brilliant. Who played? Was that Fraser? No, not Fraser. Although that's brilliant. I like Fraser. But um, no, 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 no. Let, let me. Um, Cheers. Midnight Caller. Oh, some interesting websites. Look at that. There. Look at him. Look, Midnight Caller. Gary Cole. That was it. Gary Cole. Looks like Michael J. Fox. Midnight Caller. Oh, I used to love that show. I can't say I ever saw it. Oh, that was a bit questionable. Yeah, that. I'm not sure that's the right thing there. <laughs> Quick. Hang on, these pictures aren't the ones I remember. No. Oh, moving on. Anyway, look, that, that was our discussion about uh, about gas. To sum it up, we, we all have it a little bit. Yeah. As we get older, we have it a little bit less, Yeah. which is the opposite to normal gas. And I tell you what, clearing out the cup and selling all my gear, I mm. really literally have in one bag everything now that I shoot with. Yeah. It wasn't that way for many, many years. Everything yeah. is in one bag. That feels so good. I've still got a load of stuff to sell. Yeah. Well, yeah. there we go. See you on eBay. Mm-hmm. Uh, right, questions. Just a couple more then. I think that's it for the daytime, gentlemen, please. Hi, guys. Thanks for all that you do. I cannot express how helpful this podcast is for me and many others I know personally. Appreciate it, guys. My context, I started my business in 2015 and do mostly portraiture. However, as of 2017, I've done a few weddings, second shooting, etc. I'd love to do weddings full time when the time is right. Question one. If you could go back in time and give yourself the most helpful advice that was a difference maker... Um, you've gained over the years in regards to photographing your first few weddings. What would you say to yourselves? Oh, this is a really, really. This is from Charlie Blevins. Charlie, that you are going to get the strap, uh, the the simpler strap for that question alone. There are two questions here. Brilliant, Kev. Going back in time, give yeah. yourself the most helpful piece of advice that would make a difference, a game changer. Um, you know, 
I've been asked this a few times and and I don't know because I always went with the uh in my mind I was going to do it this way documentary wedding photography. So nothing really kind of stands out. I suppose I don't know I, you know after the first year and I'd shot um, 69 weddings or whatever. I think you know so uh, uh, the business side of things was the important stuff. Although I'd come from a business background, uh, I'm struggling. I am. I, I genuinely, when I saw that email come in, I was like, you know, I thought about it, and I was like, I don't know. Without sounding, um, you know, kind of negative about anything, I don't know. I, I feel like it went the way I needed it to go. Um, yeah. You haven't tried too hard. Yeah. Actually, that's a really good bit of advice, actually. Don't try too hard. So many people start out in this business and they try too hard. They want to be, it comes back to the gas thing, they want to be ambassadors. Mm. They want that kit. Yeah. Um, And I I think there's there's, there's a case for letting things organically develop in your life. Now, that's difficult if you have a certain amount of money that you need to make to feed your family. Of course it is. But I think, you know, letting things organically develop is, is an important piece of advice, I think. Do you know what I would do? Now thinking about it a little bit more, I think that I would have totally ignored social media. Totally? Totally. But that's fed you as well, mm-hmm. your business. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's a double-edged have, sword. How could you have run a business like that? Well, uh, I don't think social media drives my wedding business. It drives my workshops and my photography relationships and, of course, the stuff with Fujifilm and uh, various other things. But, but they're, they're all interlinked. They are all interlinked. But if, uh, I don't know, how many times do we find ourselves, you know, thinking, oh, I'm going to delete. I don't, I, in fact, I don't have Facebook on my phone. Uh, I, don't, I haven't had it for weeks. You know. No. Um, you know, I'll, I will look at it. But generally and genuinely... Like Facebook to me is more of a burden than anything now, um, oh, okay. and not because of the questions or anything. I don't yeah. mind answering people's questions, yeah. but it's just a constant barricade of adverts, misinformation, political rubbish, and blah blah blah. So I just don't really and Brexit, really kind of Brexit, and mm. don't really go on there. Um, and you know, and then you see like. I feel like the whole social media thing, whilst, uh, you know, uh, I'm tying myself in knots a little bit over it because I know it has fed the kids to a certain extent. But without that bubble of everything that's happened, um, you know, would we, would one, would you, would the, the listeners, you know, would we go into more weddings relaxed, less worry about what people are going to think and what they're going to say on the websites? I mean, yeah. how many people, and, and again, we've covered this before, how many people go to weddings with the ambition of getting award-winning pictures rather than with the ambition of getting pictures that the clients are Shooting for competitions rather than, yeah. than for um, the client, yes. You know, so... Absolutely. Agree yeah, I don't know, maybe that maybe that element of stuff. But, but generally, honestly, there was not any kind of you know click your finger moment and and you know i wish i'd done that done it that way charlie uh has another question question number two i think we'll make this the last one of the show this week because we're well over this week um what do you both do to keep in touch with past clients a lot of the work i currently receive is by word of mouth which is great best way charlie but i'd love to venture out and some fresh ideas that leaves an impact on the clients where they too want to stay in touch and in turn could possibly direct new clients as well, which, of course, is a strong way of running a business. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I have... Um, oh, I've got something here. I'm going to have to go to the back of the room and grab this. Mm-hmm. Um, 
see this box. Mm-hmm. Okay, I had an idea a, a while back of um, saying to clients on their first anniversary, um, print an album because a because first anniversary is is paper, isn't it? Mm. And so loosely. Um, albums it's paper mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but they they didn't really sell that well as it didn't sell that well as a concept because mm-hmm. an album is a more considered and for those that haven't invested in it first time around uh, expensive consideration mm-hmm. whereas this box of prints is doing quite well who is that Jorgensen uh, no this is GF Smith okay GF Smith and yeah. uh, they're just uh, they're, they're it's it's a box um I, th- I, lo- I love this product. We a plug for GF Smith, but it's it's a box of ten prints, ten by eight prints, eight by ten, um, and uh, yeah, from your favourite from from that particular wedding. Mm-hmm. And for a man, from I'm sorry, this sounds a bit sexist. For a bloke who's thinking first anniversary, what am I gonna do? You contact them with two months to run to the the anniversary. That's a great way of keeping in touch with clients, mm. and that's selling. Yeah. It's working. Yeah, yeah. There you go. That was just a little little concept. What do you do to keep in touch with past clients, or don't you? Because you don't have to. I do. So, what I normally do is, um, I when they when I blog their wedding, then I will generally email them. And and very, bear in mind, the blog of their wedding is sometimes well over a year later. Um, because I blog everything in order and you know, I like to separate it out so it's not all rushed. Yeah. Um, so I will email them and I will, if I've done a photo film for the blog, which isn't necessarily something they will have had at the beginning of the, you know, as, as, the, as part of their package, I'll send them a link to a download of that photo film. Um, I'll encourage them to, to share it and I'll also um, say to them, you know, if you've got any um, friends who are, you know, getting married soon, you know, remember, remember me to them. Good idea, yeah. yeah. Um, you know, and that kind of thing. So that, that's that's my kind of, whilst you use dates to, to kind of get, get back in touch with them, I typically use um, the blog as my, my kind of reminder. Um, but I don't really try and sell them anything more. Um, you know, some of them have become very good friends. So was that a bit too commercial? Uh, no, no, no. It's a business, isn't it? It's good. But some of them have become very good friends. I, you know, I, the wedding I shot on Saturday, for example, was a referral from a past wedding guest, uh, a wedding client of mine who was at the wedding. Um, you know, and and that's that's great. You know, that's it's 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 important to. I find it sad that some people, you know, they they totally kind of devolve themselves from their clients once the wedding's done. You know, I don't want anything, you know, if they, I don't want them on Facebook or anything like that, you know, yeah. and um, whilst I don't necessarily encourage them to connect with me on Facebook, if they do, I'm not going to not, um, you know, some of them have become good friends and good, good referral leads in the past. Well, thank you for all your questions. It's been a, a longer episode than usual. And I've, I've made Kev sit there with his bad back. He hasn't even... Oh, I'll yeah. tell you what, when you walk around in a moment, you're going to really feel it. Uh, Can you look at your screen for a moment? See that? We're looking at the midnight caller picture yeah. there from that. Look at that microphone there, okay? Yeah. I just went into the cupboard here. Look what I've got. Look, look at that. Uh, We're talking about gas. Gear acquired uh, syndrome. That is the Electrovoice RE20 faithful microphone used by the American radio industry. I don't need this thing. It looks like a hand grenade. I've never used it. But it's one of the... It's but you of, wanted it. But I wanted it. Correct. And for that reason... Gas. should sell it. Gas cupboard. That's gas. What is it? It's in the gas cupboard. Look. Mm-hmm. 
gas cupboard. <laughs> Thank you for all your questions this week. Lifeblood of the show. We really can't shovel coal into that firebox unless you send your questions into the party. So click at fujicast.co.uk. Thank you to our guest Jim Mortram. Big love to our friends at Simpler Straps for letting us give away a camera strap each to our favourite email question of the week. Go to simpler, S-I-M-P-L-R dot U-S. Next week, by the way, we don't have a guest as such. We're going to be kind of... I don't know how this is going to work, but we're going to go and see the... Um, Don the, the Don McCullen exhibition. I thought it would yeah. be interesting to give us both mics and kind of have a, a live mm-hmm. Q&A between each other. I what, go to the loo a lot, mind. Do you? Yeah. This could be an interesting week. Yeah, yeah. Payoff this week. Um, have you got Gemma no. doing the payoff yet? You've got to get no. that one. It's going to be Rosa for you. My dad's Instagram is Kevin Mullins Photography. See his films on YouTube at Documentary Eye. His website is kevinmullinsphotography.co.uk. Or for street workshops, training, and everything Fujifilm, go to f16.click. Thank you, Rosa. Our Jack, um, in his last term at junior school, got um, house captain position. Oh, wonderful. So so proud of him, so yeah. he can be the payoff this week. My dad's Instagram is Neil James. See his films on YouTube at Neil James Photo. His website is neiljames.com for pictures and one-to-one mentoring. And you can hear his other photography podcast, which is called Breathe Pictures, wherever you get your podcasts. Were you ever house captain? I bet you were. No. I bet you were. No. I was rugby captain. Yeah. I knew, I knew, Not in school, I knew, though. I knew, Not in school. No? No, no, no. Later on in life. Um, I think I was the captain of the chess club. What's the biggest um, <laughs> rugby team you've played for? Uh, well, I used to play at London Welsh. See, there we go. Yeah. I just wanted you to say that. Yeah. I'm dead proud of having a friend that... Uh, no, no, but only in like the, in the veterans. No, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Stuff. You played for them. Mm. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.